Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast, a podcast about renewing hope and happiness for educators with topics ranging from health and well-being to best practices in and outside the classroom, being a parent and an educator, justice, and so much more. I was one of the many teachers who left the classroom due to burnout. I thought I would be a teacher for life and found myself walking away from a career I loved. I want to get in front of this and talk candidly about ways in which we as a community can support the health, well-being, and development of educators, especially teachers who are feeling the burn and are questioning if they made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Pomas, and with us today is Nita Creekmore, aka love, teach, bless. Uh, Another person who I found on Instagram whose content just spoke to so much of what I believe and so much of what I know our listeners believe. And so I was telling Nita when we first jumped on, like, I was so honored to have her. She is a huge following because of the work she's done being a children's author, an instructional coach, a teacher, a teacher advocate, just so many things. And so for us to learn from you and get to have your wisdom here today is is truly an honor. This is the first time that we are meeting. And I do, I feel like I'm in the presence of a celebrity. I, again, you know, like when you follow somebody and you're like, holy cow. And then I'm sitting here. I watched you and Elena talk at Elena Aguilar bright morning on Instagram a few weeks ago. And I'm just like, now I'm talking to you. (laughs) It feels feels very, very um, surreal. And also just again, humbling and such an honor. So I will kick it over to you, Nita. And I would just love for you to start by introducing yourself a little bit, letting us know your journey through education, what brought you to education and what you're doing now. Okay. Well, hey, y'all. Thank you for having me, Kelly. I um, I feel humbled and honored as well to be on here. So the feeling is definitely mutual. I um, First, I want to say, like, you called me a children's author and I'm like, yeah, let's go ahead and speak that into existence. I write books. Um, but I do want to say that you have to get a lot of no's before you get yeses. And so I've been getting no's and just keep pushing myself to just continue writing and editing and doing all those good things. So thank you for speaking that into existence for me, putting that into the universe. But, um, yeah, my name is Nita Creekmore, Love Teach Bless. Wow. My journey has been so interesting. I have always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I know that sounds cliche but it's the truth. And so like my mom was also a teacher, is a teacher. I say is because even though she's retired, she's always teaching us and with her wisdom and all her things. Um, But she was a physical education teacher and she also minored in counseling um, as well. And so she did that for 40 years. And so I, yeah, so I remember, you know, just in the summers going to, she did summer camp. I remember going to her field day because she was um, a PE teacher. I remember her mentoring kids and taking them to the movies. Like I remember all of those things and I was with her doing all those things. So uh, to say that my life has been around education, it definitely has. Um, But I I remember having a next door neighbor um, and her children were younger and she was a single mom and I was about 12, Kelly. And I remember going over there and helping them with their work. Mm. And the joy that it gave me to just 
her name was Emily, never forget her, but help her. She had a car accident and she was hit by a car. And so in the evenings, I would go over there. She was body casted and I would go over there and read to her. I would go over there and just help her write as much as she could write. And it just gave me so much joy. And so I knew then at 12 that I wanted to be a teacher. I knew that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. Um, I always tell the story as well that um, my father, God rest his soul, he was so against me being a teacher. Um, he just was, he knew the plight of a teacher. He knew the fact that I would be not making a lot of money. He knew that I would be, you know, so he was just like, you're going to waste your life, your whole college career. You're going to work so hard, you know, for little pay. And I, I remember saying to him, 19 years old, I would rather be loving what I do every single day and making what I make than hate going to work every day and being and having a fat, a fat pocket. And while some days with four kids, that is very interesting. I'm like, oh my God, we need more money. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I still believe that. Um, so I've been in education. I was in the classroom for 13 years, mm. elementary, um, done first grade, second grade. I dabbled a little bit in third and then fifth grade and went back down to first grade, um, which is a very interesting change. And then um, after that, I became a coach. I became a coach 13 years in. And um, I remember the first day of becoming a coach, I cried. And it's so funny because I knew that's where I was supposed to be and do, but not being able to start the year and not having my own classroom mm -hmm. was a shift, right? And so I had to like embrace that change. And it took a minute for me to embrace it because I love kids so much and love just having my own classroom. And so um, I began embracing just being a teacher developer, a teacher coach, um, a, I always call them a thinking partner, someone to be, mm -hmm. you know, there with them as a thinking partner. Um, and so I began a joy in just coaching teachers and developing teachers. A new joy that I have now is even um, teachers in college. Like I've been on a different, like, you know, um, my old principal, she's now um, a professor and she brought me on to talk to some of her almost like teachers are going into the field. And so um, that's a new joy that I have. And so that's kind of where I am. I have four kids. Um, my son is about to go off to college. And so I have all these feelings about that excited for him. Um, the mama feelings of sadness that, you know, even though you have four kids, one leaves the nest and you feel like, oh my God, my part of my heart is gone. Um, four kids. I have, my husband is bearded.school.counselor as well. And he, um, we do a lot of things together with our Creekmore conversations as well. And then I have, Le I have Love Teach Bless. And so Love Teach Bless is really, started from me being back in the class back from fifth to first grade okay. and I started um love teach bless just kind of showing some of my teaching stuff that I like to do and then um that has grown I mean I went from tweeting about I mean putting about on my love teach bless account like I go back down sometimes just to humble myself and see okay where I started and so I'm like I remember posting, oh, I'm a small fish in a big pond. There's like this thing going around on Instagram about being a small fish in a big pond. And um, and so it's just been it's just been a real fun journey and one that I never could have expected. So on my Love Teach Bless, I do a lot of um, talking about diversity, talking about diverse books, the importance of children's books in classrooms, K-12, um, 
and then just a little bit of my life on there too. So um, that's just been my journey. I know I talked for a long time, but it's just been so much. <laughs> no, it's it sounds like an amazing journey. And let's start there. Let's talk yeah. about your thoughts as an educational leader um, in, in diversity and what that means to you and what you are really thinking about. I, I was sharing at the front of this, you know, as a white woman who does teach in um, racially diverse school settings, you know, I have to be really cognizant and thoughtful of how I'm showing up, what my expectations are, especially when 90% of my students currently um, are Latinx um, or students who have backgrounds um, and or um, families that that are, are represent that um, that culture. And I'm really trying to be thoughtful of that. And so, yeah, like let's illuminate this and, and bring it to the surface. And what do you usually talk about when you think about diversity, especially from the standpoint of a teacher coach, a teacher advocate? Well, a lot of it is me modeling. So mm-hmm. like um, we have lots of conversation about that, but they see that I, if they even go into my office, I'm just being, my office is filled with diverse literature. Mm-hmm. They will, it is like, all over the place. Um, so I definitely coach when I coach and I model, I'm bringing in those books Mm -hmm. and I do that intentionally and I do that purposefully. Um, but I also think it's important for us to think about, and that's why I post about diverse literature all the time, the, the deep conversation that you can have with kids, whether they are all predominantly white children, whether they're all predominantly black children, whether or not it's a, it's a, a mix of kids from different cultures and, and backgrounds, they all need it. Mm-hmm. They all need to be immersed in worlds that don't look like their own, right? Um, it breeds empathy. It breeds compassion. It breeds just all of those deep conversations that can be had to dismantle white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and that's one way to do it and that's one avenue that I have seen it just completely opening up a world that kids have never even thought about before you know it's so easy to get into your box everyone has privilege I just want to just say that and name that everyone has privilege so it's easy to get into your box and be like okay this is my world right but when that box is opened it can be a beautiful thing and I think in the the way of the world right now, it's looked at as not such a beautiful thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is sad and it breaks my heart. And there's like banned books and books that are banned. And most of the books that are banned are from, talk about people of color. And so it's just like, okay, so where are we going with this? And teachers and education have this fork in the road at this moment. You know, it's kind of like one of those things. What do you What are you going to do at this moment? What are you going to do at this time? And you know, you always see those memes that'll say like, um, like in the fifties, like you know, where were you at that moment? What What did you do at that moment? What did you do at that time? Well, now is the moment, right? And so, I truly believe in diversity. But but the thing of it is, is that a lot of times diversity is already there, right? Mm-hmm. The, the people are in the room. It's what you do with that. Does that make sense? Like. Okay, so they're there, the diversity is there. Are you going to allow them to have a voice? Are you going to accept them? Whether they are people of color, whether they're from the LGBTQ community, whether they, you know, all of these people matter. And so, so what are we gonna do with that diversity, right? Um, 
And, and so when I think about diversity, I think about that. I think about equity. I think about acceptance. I think about belonging. Um, all of those things, because, you know, the kids are there and they want to be fed. It's so interesting because just recently it's Black History Month. I put up, um, you know, these wonderful figures of Black history, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just watch the kids and it's just so interesting. Kids of all different cultures just stop by the display and they might have a friend there with them. And they're talking about the different figures. They want to, they want to know, they want to be immersed in that, you know? And they're like, oh, who's that? And I, and I'll just be in the hallway, just doing my duty, you know, like making sure that, and I'll see them stop and talk about the different figures. So what does that tell you? The kids want to be immersed in that. It's not the kids. That makes sense. They, they want to know. Love that. Um, tell us a little about or some of your books that you're writing. I mean, I, I'm guessing you have a plethora of the knowledge because it's coming from a place of passion. So let's let's talk to that. Yeah, I get so excited. I'm like, yay. So I have this book. And so I'm part Creole. And um, there aren't any books like about my Creole culture. There just aren't, they just aren't there. And so um, they talk about like the Cajun culture and Cajun and Creole are different. And so um so my mom's family is from louisiana and um she's creole and her family is creole and so what i've been doing is i've been tapping into a lot of her stories like i'll i'll just say because my mom is 80 um and so yeah and so i'll like tap into some stories and i'm like oh my god like i'm like mom i said you know can i write about some of these stories i said some of it may not be like because she's i mean she's like i don't know the, all the, i don't remember all the details Nita. and i said i'll fill in the details don't worry about that so i've been capturing and it's been so great i've been capturing a lot of her stories and i've been writing some books from those stories right so one i just wrote was called gumbo yaya and gumbo is in the creole culture that's just what we make we make gumbo right and so it's about a little girl who's making gumbo with her mom and and it's just a, a beautiful story but um I love writing about books that just aren't there, books that aren't, aren't in the world. Mm -hmm. And, and what better connection is my own voice from my own culture. Um, that is a culture that people don't know a lot about, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm excited about that. I love it. So I'm excited for you. And we'll definitely talk yeah. about where people can eventually, if not already find some of these books. I, yeah. I knew something else too, just having been um, an instructional coach. So I'll, I'll pivot a little bit uh, okay. for the last five years. One thing that's really stood out to me in just your story is teacher advocacy. And I know you mentioned it quite a few times in the questionnaire. And so I'd love to just hear when you speak to the idea of teacher advocacy, what, what does that mean to you? How do you show up in that advocacy space? And yeah, like what, what are you doing to really truly advocate for teachers based on their needs right now? Um, so a lot of, the reason why I use the words teacher advocacy because I never wanna forget what, it, what it's like to be in the classroom. Um, it's easy to do the longer you are away from the classroom. But I never, I always put myself in the shoes of the teachers that I work with, the teachers that I see every day. And so when I call myself a teacher advocate, it's so interesting because my, my leader, my administration calls me that because they know that <laughs> there's, I speak up for them. I help them to find their voice. And I, and I also use 
use my voice to advocate for them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a dual thing. Um, so it's, it's more than just me advocating for the voiceless, right? Yes, that's important too. But I also want the voiceless to use their voice mm -hmm. because they don't realize how powerful it can be when they use it. And so there'll be times when I'm in meetings, there'll be times when I'm, you know, talking in a, in a group of other coaches where I'm advocating for teachers. Do you know what I mean? I'm advocate. I'm saying, mm, don't forget that they have this, this, and this on their plate right now, right? <laughs> because it's easy to just forget. I mean, it's just, it's just human nature to say, okay, we want to do this. We want to do that. Oh, we want to do this. And we want to do that. And then you're like, okay, but these are human beings. They, they can only take so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's that, or it's having, making sure that they had the things that they need. Right. Um, making sure that there's, there's books in the classroom or materials in the classroom that teachers need. I always say to the teachers, I'm going to figure this out because you shouldn't have to buy this for yourself. Let's figure this out. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't just go. Cause what teachers love to do, I always that teacher is, I'm just going to purchase it. Don't worry about it. I don't feel like going through the hassle, right? Whereas I feel like people in the business field, people in other fields don't have to do that. The materials are laid out for them. Mm -hmm. So teachers should have the same thing. And so when I say when I advocate for them, those are the types of things that I advocate for. Um, in order for them to do their best work, they have to have the things that they need to do their best work, right? Um, I do have administration that it's fine with that. You know, I have administration that is like, okay, yeah, just let me know. We'll figure it out. Right. Um, so that also helps. But even when I haven't had administration that are like, we have no money, we can't do this. I will try to find ways. There's nowhere in the budget we can do that. You know, like I would probably get on the nerves half the time because you're like, okay, Anita, what is it now? Like, and I'm like, because I just, I just feel for teachers, it's so much on their plate, especially now with the pandemic, especially now with, you know, you're talking about the racial issues that's always been there, I always say that, but that are now gone to the top of the lake, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but I've just always just advocated for teachers and especially in my role now, one, I advocated for myself, but especially in my role now, there are times when I'm having coaching conversations, when I'm asking questions like, what would that look like if you voice this yourself mm -hmm. to administration, right? Or I'll say things like, you can say anything respectfully, right? Mm -hmm. It's important for admin to know what's happening, how I feel, you know, because what happens is if they don't know, I mean, they're human too. So administration, they're human too. Right. So there's just so much that they can, they are juggling their own glass balls, rubber balls in the air. And they're trying to figure out all of this stuff too. But if they don't know, they don't know. And so rather, and, and one thing that it does too with my advocacy and helping teachers to find their voice is it allows for a toxic and work environment to lessen. It's almost like, you know, you have a side experiment and the fizz is going up and then you're putting the antidote on there and the fizz goes down, mm -hmm. right? It's one of those things that it's like, you know, with lack of communication and not using your voice, you know, you're not getting the work done. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's have hard conversations. And so part of that advocacy is empowering teachers um, to use their voice. And a word that you, I mean, I get 
kind of hung up on this word sometimes because I don't really know ultimately what it means, but you use, and that sounds kind of funny, I know, but the word respectfully, right? Because I feel like it can be interpreted in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. Respect mm-hmm. to me might look very different than respect to you, potentially. Absolutely. But Absolutely. really, I think we can advocate for things I feel like, especially with younger teachers, I find myself saying, okay, like now let's spin that in a professional way and really having to work through the professional lens. Um, And so that just really spoke to me just in thinking that like, you can say anything respectfully. I don't know if you want to say more to that in terms of like what you've done to help um, coach teachers through that to use that voice to feel Um, empowered. I'd love to hear from you there. Absolutely. So there, there's been emails drafted where I'm like, okay, Send me the email first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. look through and let's read the email first, right? And so then it's a different lens. So I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying here and I get what you're saying here. What if you said it this way? Are you okay with saying it this way? Because, you know, a lot of times, and what I try to tell, especially new teachers, and yet some veteran teachers, I mm-hmm. would say, mm-hmm. um, the, their emotions are, are in it. And, and I get it. And so we talk about that. You know, we talk about their emotions, but they just, want to hit the send button and then there it is. And then now everything is like topsy turvy, but that's what, when I say respectfully, I mean, it, it, it means that you need to know your leader a little bit. Right. So like, it's one of those things that like, um, there's times when, you know, with any leaders, cause I've been under a few leaders, not just the one I'm under right now, but a few leaders where there's days when I'm like, I'll tell the teachers, I'm not asking that question today. I'll ask you tomorrow. <laughs> and they're like, you know, because I just know they're just not in the space today for me to to be the advocate and for it to work out the way we want it to work out. So we need to give her a couple of days or him a couple of days because it's just not the time. Because a lot of, the, again, like I said, the leaders also have their juggling their balls over here. Um, so you have to know that person too. And so when I say the word respectfully, I mean, respectfully, as you hopefully as a staff have established what that looks and sounds mm-hmm. like for y'all, but also um, just knowing the person that you're going to use your voice with, whether it's your leader, whether it's your teacher colleague, whether it's a parent, whether it's a student, you know, um, it's it's important to know what that's going to look and sound like, you know, mm-hmm. in using your voice as well. I love that. That's such a great concrete example. So for those of who are listening, who are fueled with emotion right now, send that email to somebody else first. Yeah. <laughs> that is a smart Absolutely. Thing. Absolutely. <laughs> There's been times when I've like I was in the classroom and I drafted an email and put it in just draft. Right. There's been times when I printed it and I gave it to my colleague and said, okay, well we're gonna read this tomorrow and see if it's still it's still something that I want to send. Right. Because it ends up being I end up looking at the next day and say, mm, I probably need to say it this way, or I probably need to say it that way. Mm-hmm. And so that ends up happening. Oh, so beyond advocacy, and I, I just love how you defined it. And thank you for those very concrete examples. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know that every teacher is different based on their tenure, based on their needs, based on their passions. Yeah. But could you designate maybe even a, a general theme that you're really right now having to coach around and maybe even give insight to other coaches who are coaching right now? So like if you had to think of one thing that you find you're finding yourself really having to coach through, um, what is it and how are you going about it? The biggest thing I've had to coach through this year, a couple of years 
Mm. It's been um, teachers that feel disempowered, just feel like they're just um, done, that they feel like they um, have so much on their plate, they feel out of control. Um, those have been some of the conversations that um, we've been working through, talking through, um, digging back into why they got into this thing in the first place, mm -hmm. um, digging back into where they find their joy, digging back into um, looking at their self-care and caring for themselves and just looking at themselves as you're human um, and you can only do so much and that's okay. Um, so that's been a lot of the conversation and themes around this year. And I know it sounds interesting because a lot of coaches are like, well, what's, what's the work you're doing, um, about like standards and this and that. And until you get to the heart of your teachers, the work isn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's only surface level. And so it's just one of those things that we have to dig into the elephant in the room, you know, read the room. And, um, and so those have been a lot of the conversations um, I've been having that sometimes evoke tears. Sometimes I tear up. Sometimes um, we just have a, a pause or a moment of just complete quietness and um that's been that's been a lot of the coaching that I've been doing Kelly just to be just to be completely real um uh, it's interesting because I, my timeline looks different these days <laughs> because I'm it's just the real of it and my thing is like this like it's so funny when I first became a coach yeah um I was learning um a lot of the things that being a coach meant but now I'm completely and utterly a transformational coach in the, in the sense of from the root. We have to start from the root. We have to start from the root. Um, and the root is, you know, where teachers are, how they're feeling. Are they happy? Do they like what they do? I mean, and, and I know that sounds so simple, but absolutely, like there's conversations that I have about, you know, even moving teachers from grade level to grade level. I'm like, are you going to have the same type of teacher in this grade level? Are they going to be happy there? Do they want to be there? Mm -hmm. You know, those are types of questions. I mean, and some, and some, some moves are for the good of the group. I mean, some moves are just for the good of the teacher because sometimes they would stay in one grade for 30 years and that's their, that's their jam. And sometimes they move and they're excited that they move and they're like, I'm so glad you made me do this. But other times, you know, you end up with a teacher that was happy and now you have an unhappy unhappy teacher so I mean it's just it's getting to the root of it it really is and and looking at everyone in the space as human beings love that thank you for sharing and I would say probably universally but I can speak to my own experience very similar coaching at this point and there are a lot of tears and I think that's a big reason what sparked me wanting to do this podcast because it is so prevalent right now. Yeah. And as I sit in my office and have these conversations and people who I helped bring into teaching and are now questioning it. And, you know, they're just like, I never thought I'd be in this place, nor did I. And mine right. wasn't like disempowered. Mine was just 
pure and sheer burnout. But to your point, like there is a, a it's, it's disempowerment. It's demoralization that I'm seeing time and time again. So I, I can definitely say that it's probably a theme across the board. And I love that you're just owning that and sharing with yeah. us best practices in that. Cause I'm sure there's other coaches who are seeing that and feeling that too. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I would love to um, probably speak a little bit more to that in I would love to hear maybe a success story that you've had, um, you know, in that, like, we've gotten to the root, we've really, we've explored your joy, we've explored your passion, we've explored your why, and helped a teacher reimagine, like, get out of that disempowerment piece. I mean, from the advocacy standpoint, from the coaching standpoint, do you have any stories that you can share? I have a, I have a couple. I'm going to go with one. Um, I have one teacher who... I just think she had gotten to her wit's end and um, in the sense of where it was just something small that kind of tipped, tipped the tipped the turning point a little bit. Um, she was asked to do something and it was something small, but it just, all these emotions came out, right? And so we talked through that, um, all her emotions, and we really talked about where this is, where this is coming from, right? Like, well, let's, let's dig into that. But what happened in the, in the teacher without exposing all of the whole information, because if she listens to this, she's gonna be like, oh, you told all my business. But you know, like um, in the sense of what happened was we talked through what was asked of her to do, okay? We talked through that. But then I, basically I said to her, you know, this is your classroom. How could you, how would you imagine your classroom being, right? So we started imagining every piece of her classroom, every piece of the way she wanted her classroom to be, how she wanted her classroom to be run, how she wanted it, da, 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 da. And so the one little bit of her classroom that was at being asked of her to change, she felt like it was like taking over my whole room. Does that make sense? Like, because everything, all the feelings came out about just this whole year, just everything just flooded. And so... I empower her to really imagine what she wanted her classroom to be. And from that step-by-step, step, we work towards that. Does that make sense? Not that we didn't do what she was asked of to do by, you know, powers that be or whatever. We did that, but she got her power back and felt like this is my classroom. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So when it was asked of her to do that, she felt completely disempowered, like, oh my gosh, like everything has to be so cookie cutter. Everything has to be this, this, and that. It's a veteran teacher. But we went to basically how she wants her classroom to be. And so from that, we went step by step and we did each part of her imagining. Slowly but surely, we did each part mm -hmm. of her imagining. Um, she went from being a teacher in tears to a teacher that was back to like smiling, joyful. And when I, I asked her, I said, can I observe your classroom? Because I always ask, I really try to ask. Um, can I observe your classroom? And I observed her and the feedback that I could give her was just amazing. The teacher, and this is the thing about coaching teachers this way. When you get a teacher that is disempowered in their teaching, the teaching is different when you get to a teacher that feels empowered. Mm -hmm. It's different. So when I observed her from the, for the front and then I reobserved her at the end, it's a different teacher. It's almost like 
I don't know. It's like the cartoons where the storm cloud is over your head and then all of a sudden the sun comes out and there's like flowers blooming. Mm-hmm. It's and, and I know that sounds corny, but I I can't think of anything else. Like it's just like it's a different type of teacher. And I was like amazed by that. Mm-hmm. And I and we and then we had a coaching conversation about that. And I was just like, I'm so excited. And she was like, I am too. I just feel like she's and she one two things she said to me at the end was like, Nita, I feel like a weight has been lifted. Mm-hmm. You know just thank you. Like, thank you just for, and that's the power of a a coaching conversation or just trying to empower teachers to just, to just be and remember their why, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's so hard right now to find that. It's almost like digging into like trying to find gold and you're digging in, you know, and, and once they find it again, it's like, treasure it's like I found it um and so I I want to say that but I also want to say this Kelly me and my husband were talking about this today and we were talking about how education is so hard right now but when you're in an environment that is thriving like out like just an environment that is thriving and people are growing and they and they just respect each other and value each other and they're in community together it makes it less hard. Mm-hmm. And so, cause we were talking about that and I was like, it just, it makes it less hard. Like, it's almost like you're in your own bubble and you're like, everyone else is having all these issues. And I'm like, I, I feel it, but not like in the same way that other people are feeling it. Um, and I think it just, it just trickles down and it, it just depends on your building and your morale and your community that a community that was either set before that you've always had. Um, or a community that's been built through all of this. Um, but I think that it, it is, it's a different type of flow. Like in, and so if you've already felt certain kind of way before all the education and education's always had a hard time. I just want to say that and name that. But now that it's like to the forefront right now, it's like, if we already had a hard time before then in my community and the morale was down, imagine now, like, yeah, you're going to have it outflux of teachers teachers are going to be like leaving because they were already on tempted to leave before all everything kicked off and this just pushed them off the ledge right and so it's like one of those things that it's like I don't know I, it, we have to really rethink what we hang our hat on mm-hmm. yeah and I want to come back to that maybe as our closing thought and so maybe give you a little bit of time but I also would be remiss if I did not actually bring up um, another part of your very authentic self. And um, I really would love to hear what about your, like, I I think you, you said the importance of teaching real history, authentic history. Yeah. And um, I just would love to hear your thoughts on that, knowing that it's part of your passion and perhaps it's even part of your coaching practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, can you say more about that? And like, from your own standpoint, when you think about your vision, reimagining what education could be, should be in the context of authentic history, say more. Um, so yeah, I, that is, that's really a passion of mine, but I, it's always been a passion of mine. I think that that's why children's books speak to me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, one, here's the thing. We can't rely on just a textbook to teach us right? I was listening to a podcast, an NPR podcast, um, 
that was talking about the 1619 project and talking about the book, right? And one thing um, that she said was, she said, um, history is an absolute. We're still learning so much about history that hasn't, hasn't been brought to the forefront, that hasn't been known about. There's so much history. So what's that, what that means for educators is we have to do our work before we teach our kids. We have to learn about it before we teach our kids, right? So like if you're teaching about the civil rights movement, right? How deep are you gonna go? Where, where, what are you gonna do? What kind of work are you gonna do as an educator? I know educators are probably listening like, what kind of work? Oh my goodness. You, instead of just opening up that textbook, do your work, find your work, right? Mm-hmm. Teach the kids the truth, teach them from different perspectives, teach them um, authentic literature, right? Teach of the times. And so like, those are the things that I mean when I say teach authentic history bring it to the forefront, do your work. And so, and some of the work is done for you, right? Um, there's so much out there right now that some of the work people are doing such great work and just pulling in authentic, um, authentic history and authentic lessons and, and the things that you can do. But um, that's why I feel like children's books are so amazing because they just are ways K-12, even in college level, where you can bring in the authentic um, history in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I read it to my own children, and I do that on purpose. And I'm not. And when I say about history, I want to be open. And um, Kelly, when I talk about history, I'm not just talking about Black history, mm-hmm. although I am a Black woman. You know, I'm talking about Indigenous history. I'm talking about hearing from those voices, right? Voices that haven't been heard from in in your in your teaching, in your learning. Um, and a lot of that is me learning learning myself. There's so many stories even now. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know this. I did not know this. Um, I did a product on the Seneca Village and talking about um, New York, right? Central Park in New York and how that was taken away from um, African-Americans to build Central Park. Mm. I didn't know that story, right? I didn't know that there was a thriving community of black Americans that were thriving and that got stripped from them. Those are, those are stories that we didn't know about that we have to learn about and teach our kids, teach our students, because you don't want students coming back. Think about 10 years from now and saying, you know what? My third, fourth, fifth grade teacher, sixth grade teacher didn't teach me this. Mm -hmm. We taught about, I mean, we, I remember learning about what happened in you know, slavery or whatever, but I didn't hear about Manza Musa before slavery, that, that before slavery, that there were people there thriving and living, you know, I didn't learn about that. I just, we started with the fact that slaves were in America in 1619, you know, so you're thinking about like all of those stories that haven't been taught to children. Right. Where do you advise, I, like, where are some of the favorite, your favorite places to, because you said it's everywhere, right? And we can, mm-hmm. it's at our fingertips. Um, and maybe it's some of the children's books that you're talking about, where would you say for teachers to look to? Because I, I share this in a later podcast, but, um, mm-hmm. or maybe an earlier podcast, but right. I never heard of the Tuskegee Airmen until right. after I graduated college and lived and was teaching in North Carolina. Right. And such a huge part of our history but I was like 24 years old. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, my, my, the thing is, um, 
let me make sure I'm saying this right. But yeah, um, because they changed their name. But yeah, I um my mother grew up during that time. So like I would know it because she would she had all these stories of being segregated and um and it's so interesting it's so funny she always says funny not funny haha but interesting she always says um you know it wasn't the fact that we were asking to be integrated we were just asking for equal for equity <laughs> you know now great things have come from integration integration but not so great things have come from just we still see a lot of segregated schools and a lot of inequality right mm -hmm. it's still happening um but it's just so interesting to hear someone who was segregated she was i mean that's how she that's how she grew up you know um and then i'll tell you some i'll tell you one of the my favorite resources but um but also like even as a child as a black child and i grew up in northern virginia woodbridge virginia and mm -hmm. um it's very diverse there near washington dc but i um i think i was even blinded by racism you know what i mean that i didn't feel that like you know i later on in life i asked my mom you know did anyone ever call you the n-word she was like yeah and i was like oh my god like those are things that i just as a child didn't even think about right that my mom had been a part of or we were at you know we were used to go to restaurants we still go to restaurants but go to restaurants and like she'll be like i i am you were not putting me by that kitchen it's not happening. Hmm. And as a child, I'm like, mom, like, it's okay. No, you could because black folks used to have to sit by the in the back. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? So hmm. like seeing hmm. as an adult that I'm like, Oh, my God, like, I never even connected the dots until I became an adult. Um, but those are experiences that my mother had. So, so when I say that I, you know, those are things that she lived. And so she would tell us about those things. So one of my favorite resources is learning for justice. Mm -hmm. um, that resource is amazing. It brings in um, social justice standards, but also can be connected to your standards each and every day. Um, that is an amazing resource. Um, I post a lot of books on my page, Love Teach Plus page for diverse, diverse books. And I've been really trying to, I forget sometimes, but trying to put on there like, what you could use this for ways you can use this book um to tie into your standards because i know i mean that's just real life that you know education system wants to see a standard behind the learning even though learning can still take place without a standard being there just that's my two cents um but yeah so those are another one tutu teacher um also has amazing diverse books on her page here we read also has an amazing diverse books if there's any leaders listening or administrators talking, I mean, listening in to this podcast, I would say that use your, your sources to buy literature for your teachers. Mm. Not saying that programs aren't great, but books are always going to be a win and teacher teachers how to teach from teach from those those wonderful children's books. There's so much to be had in that from mm. social studies to science to language arts um teacher teachers how to teach without a program mm. um so yeah, there's that and we'll make sure that all of those are linked in the show notes for sure and it's interesting you say that because those are 
um, a few that I follow. And I love when they show up in my feed because I oftentimes use them. So thank you for just reinforcing their magic. Um, last thing, and kind of just going back to the where, do, where we hang our hats, right? And what we're really prioritizing what is the biggest thing that you'd like to tell educators right now, but especially teachers of providing them a sense of hope? Well, one thing I wanna say is that don't forget why you came into this thing, right? Mm -hmm. So if that means write yourself a letter and you mm -hmm. come back to it every time you feel like you wanna leave or you think this isn't for you, if that means saving something that a kid wrote for you or something amazing that you did for them, do that. Um, I used to keep a, a kid's letter on my um, bulletin board next to my desk. It was just an amazing letter from a first grade student that I just, I needed. And she didn't even know I needed it at that time mm -hmm. of just the impact that I had in her life. When kids do that for you, keep those things. Mm -hmm. because it does a lot for them to write it, but it also does a lot for you. And I think that we forget sometimes when the heaviness comes, why we got into this thing from the beginning. Um, I, I have a, I have a big, huge letters in my office that says, remember your why. Mm -hmm. And I have it up for the teachers when they come in, but I also have it up for myself um, to just remember my why of why I got into this thing. Um, from the beginning. And I, I think that's it's super important, but in the midst of that, remembering your why, I would say, take care of yourself. Um, and just, you can only do what you can do. And, and, that's, and that's the gist of it. Don't forget um, the good teaching that you know is good teaching, that you know is impactful. Um, I know you're an administrator, Kelly, but um, I tell my teachers to still forget good teaching. And that's my way of telling them, don't forget good teaching. Mm -hmm. Although like there may be some things that we have that we have to do and I'm putting air quotes around that. Um, being a teacher without a program is gonna, is super important. Mm -hmm. Knowing, and there are times when teachers need that, you know, a lot of brand new teachers need that, um, a program to kind of help them guide them and help them learn. But once you become a teacher, that can teach, just teach from, there's been times when I've came and in, come into schools, I'm sure you can say the same thing, Kelly, when I had nothing, mm -hmm. I, I had to teach, <laughs> you know, I had to teach. Um, and, and what that taught me was programs are great, but the programs don't teach, aren't responsive to your children. Yeah. You have to be the person who's responsive to your children. So when I say, just remember good teaching, that's what I mean. Remember what, what is good teaching um, and remember to be responsive towards your children and your students. I love all of that. Thank you. Nito, where can people find you? People can find me lots of different places. <laughs> love Teach Bless. If you Google Love Teach Bless, um, I'm Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and then me and my husband have Creekmore Conversations and lots of fun things on YouTube with us and our children, four children and um, our lives of being parent educators. And so those create more combos and we do some things with that and talking about self-care. And then, um, yeah, we also do some t-shirts on Bonfire. It's just for fun. Um, it's called Blessed and Bearded Tees. And my husband is bearded.school.counselor. And so we merged it and we do 
fun things um, with blessed and bearded teas. And I had one friend who was like, I could tell the ones that you make and he, and he makes because like we, and so it's just funny. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find me. And um, I'm always, if you ever want to chat, I'm always in a, a DM away. I'm, I try not to get away from my DMs because I think it's important to, for me to tap into people who have chosen to be a part of my community. And it's an amazing community that I feel so fortunate to be a part of. Nita, thank, thank you, you so much for being a part of this community. Uh, I couldn't be, like I said, more humbled and honored to have you here. So thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Nita, for being on today's episode. Here are the takeaways. Coaches and administrators. Remember, one, always put yourself in the shoes of your teachers. Two, teachers need to do the things that allow them to do their best work. How are you advocating to support your teachers? Three, the teaching is different when you have disempowered teachers versus ones who are not. What do you want the teaching to be? Four, until we get to the heart of our teachers, the work isn't there. We must start from the root where teachers are, what they are feeling teachers. Number five, if you are feeling disempowered, remember your why, your joy to practice self-care, and most importantly, remember you are human. And for everyone, number six, all students need to be immersed in worlds that don't look like their own, and kids want to be immersed. Number seven, remember good teaching. It doesn't always come in a curriculum. And number eight, now is the moment. What are you going to do with it? Don't forget to sign up for our Teacher Renewed community on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram at teacher underscore renewed, as well as sign up for my newsletter to be a part of a community that is working to collectively to support educators and make education better.